Hi, I'm April Adams Pertwee. I'm your host of the Inside Story podcast. I've been telling people stories my entire adult life as a broadcast journalist, video producer, and digital storyteller. These days, you can find me at Lightbeamers, where I'm building a community of women who are ready to step into their brave by sharing their story with the world. On the Inside Story podcast, I'm bringing you some of the best stories I'm discovering from both the women inside of my community, as well as from around the streets of the internet. Plus, I'm digging deep to share some of my own stories with you along the way. My hope is that these stories will help encourage you to examine your own story so that you can share it with other people. I have a motto at Lightbeamers. When we share our stories, we shine a light. So with that in mind, let's get down to business today and share the light found in this episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to this episode of the podcast. I'm so happy you're here. I'm April. I'm your host. I am joined today by one of my dear friends and maybe one of my best students. I don't know. Like, yeah, <laughs> getting to think here, like way up there as one of my favorite students that I've really worked with in terms of storytelling and um, can't wait to have you share more of the storytelling journey with our audience today. But welcome to the show, Deb Cummings-Stellato. So happy to have you here, my friend. Uh, I'm sort of super excited to be here. This is the first show that I've been on. I'm always the host. So this is, you know, it's like having a party where you don't, um, you know, you're doing all the entertaining, but now uh, I'm a guest. So I didn't, I, I'm just showing up. I don't yeah, even have just like a, the cocktails. I, I'm just <laughs> drinking the cocktails. Exactly. Just drink the cocktails. <laughs> just enjoy. Yes. So Deb, as I mentioned in the, in the intro, has her own show, her own amazing podcast called um, Think Courageously. And that's been a big part of our work together. That's how Deb and April collided was um, Deb came to me a little over a year ago and, you know, um, and, and hired me, quite honestly, to help her launch this podcast. But it wasn't so much about the mechanics of launching a podcast, although we did do that together. But it really was this storytelling journey that you were you were signing up for. You, you said, I really want to discover more about sharing my story. I know that if I'm going to do a podcast, that storytelling has to be such a big piece of it. And uh, I'm so excited to have you on today because, you know, I titled this Courageous Storytelling because you're all about think, thinking courageously. Uh, that's so much of your brand and obviously your podcast, but then weaving in the storytelling piece. And so for you, I'd love to kind of like, let's go down memory lane a little bit and talk about that initial conversation and that initial reach out of what made you decide, number one, to do a podcast and then, you know, thinking about the storytelling piece of it, what were the pieces of it that made you nervous? Well, um, about two and a half years ago, I had um, decided that I wanted to do, to go through a coaching program. I had done a lot of things. I had been 
I'm an executive director of a Habitat for Humanity affiliate. I had done a lot of consulting, but I really wanted to go ahead and get my coaching certification. And so I signed up to become an IPEC coach uh, to go through the training program. And uh, in the time that I did my coaching program, it took about uh, it was about nine months long, and my experience was bookended by the very, very, very unexpected and really traumatic loss of my mom, um, and the sort of anticipated, but still obviously really hard death of my dad. And that happened literally 364 days apart while I was going through my coaching certification. And so like going through that program was not only a journey into myself and what it would take to become a coach, but also a pretty significant journey into the grief process. And, mm-hmm. and like, I was really raw. I, I mean, I can't think of a time that I could have been like more raw or vulnerable than I was during those nine or 10 months of, of going through the coaching program. And somewhere in the middle of that, I share that because somewhere in the middle of that, I really realized that first of all, I was 56 years old and I was launching a business, but I really wasn't a hundred percent sure of what that business was going to be. I had, I had dabbled in consulting. I had done some other things. I actually had done a lot of consulting and, um, but I re- wasn't really sure what that was going to be. And this feeling of like, there was something else, um, started to bubble up. Like there was something else, there was something else that I needed to do in this chapter of my life that I didn't know really what it was, but it felt like, I guess it felt like a mission, a calling a something. And I'm not a, a religious person, but I would say that there was like a spiritual pull into this, like there's something else, Deb, you've got to figure it out. And I had thought about, I've been, I had been blogging, I'd done some other things, but I was like, well, truthfully, I like kind of free, free, you know, just being in a place of chatting. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe a podcast would be a good place for me. And I found you through another coach, my mentor coach. Um, and so that's really how I figured out um, how I found you and how together uh, we cultivated this concept of what my show was going to be about. You knew that one of the things that I remember so much about when you did sort of land in my lap and, you know, that story is pretty hysterical because uh, you didn't know me and I didn't know you, you know, I run this pretty successful community on Facebook and that's usually how people find me. They have some sort of experience with me first inside my community. And then I get the phone call like, Hey, April, (laughs) I really need some help. Right. And that wasn't your path. You literally landed in my Facebook messenger and introduced yourself and said, can I book a call with you? And I'm like, who is this lady? Like, how did we even, I don't know her. Like, this is so odd, you know? Um, But you, I, I don't know. You were just like this little gift from heaven that dropped out of the sky because we got on a call and immediately 
we fell madly in love with each other. We're very much kindred spirits. We beat to our own drums and we kind of live life on the edge, you know, like <laughs> we, um, we fly by the seat of our pants a lot. And that's how we are. We create from that space, which I love that because we, I really understood how you operate. And I think that's what made this working relationship so good because I never really suggested anything that I would not have done myself because I knew it would never work for you. And we got on a call and we, you know, you started telling me more about the podcast and the vision. And of course, I knew the background that you had around with IPEC coaching because my husband is an IPEC coach himself. Very familiar with that program. A lot of people in my community are IPEC coaches as a result. So I understood the work that you had been through over the last nine months. And then when you shared with me the story, um, this this unbelievable story of losing your parents literally 364 days apart from each other while also going through this program, I knew intuitively there were some deep, good stories in there. And what I what I sensed from you was just this willingness to explore that. Like, I'm really willing to share some of these stories where I've had a career that in my life where I was this professional, you know, leader of nonprofits, consultant, businesswoman, very well respected in my community. And storytelling is not usually a big part of that, not usually a big part of that world. And so I got really excited because you were really coming to the table saying, I'm really ready to do something different. When you knew that you wanted to start the podcast and then you knew that that storytelling was going to be a big piece of it. And of course, you had this big story to tell. Can you can you go back and think about what were some of the biggest um, hurdles you felt about that? Because I feel like that's where a lot of our listeners you know, can relate to some of the, like you think you want to go tell the stories, but then there's always like, but then how do I start? Or where do I begin? Or what does that look like? Can you talk about what that looked like for you? What were some of those crazy voices going through your head saying? Yeah, I mean, for me, the biggest one was showing up in a place of curiosity, instead of being the expert. Yeah. And that's that's kind of that has been an incredibly huge aha for me um, in the last year. And sort of a funny story when I and you'll appreciate this because you know me so well. So when I, you know, my first coaching module, the woman, there were two women and one of them was in, in organizational development and she was a coach and I just was trying so hard at that first module to like make coaching fit into my consulting. Like I was like, I'm going to make this work. Like, you know, I already do a lot of this stuff. Like I already know I'm like, you know, a seasoned professional, I'm a consultant, like I'm just adding coaching to my toolbox. And what the like huge thing for me with this journey has been like, it feels really good not to be the expert in the room, like mm-hmm. coaching and this project, this passion project of connecting with women who want to think courageously and sharing the story. And for me to do it was around, around letting go of that perfection and having to deliver like a perfect product. Um, that was huge for me. And I remember you saying that when we started on the, on the podcast is that, you, you were very clear. I don't want to be super scripted. I don't operate that way. 
I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be super edited. Like you wanted to create a podcast that felt raw and authentic. And there's not a lot of editing that goes into your podcast. I mean, you don't do any of that, which I really admired because I knew, again, I that readiness that you had of like, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it and we're going to do it right. And we're going to do it the total opposite of how I've lived my life and my career, right? We're going to do something so uniquely different than how I've shown up in my professional life that, um, that it will be a challenge and, and you embraced that challenge. And I think that that is one of the things around storytelling that I know I hear all the time from a lot of women who aren't really doing it yet is because they're waiting. There's like this waiting game that happens around the showing up, the doing, because they're waiting for it to be perfect. They're waiting for themselves to have it all figured out. You know, I don't want to launch my business because I don't have my website up or my website's not built. And I don't have, you know, 10,000 pages on my website with a perfect copy. I'm waiting to launch the podcast because I don't have my first 15 episodes planned. Um, I don't even, you know, I don't have the right equipment. I don't have an editor on staff, you know, like they're waiting for all of those things. And so you didn't do that. You really came to the table with a sense of, and this is why I think it was so courageous. You know, you talk about courage is one of your main pillars on the podcast. The podcast is all around courage pivots and success and how that really, um, you know, plays out for women in their lives and in their business. And boy, have we had a year of pivots. And I know everyone's so tired of talking about coming off of 2020, but it was a year of a big pivot and it was a year of, of big courage. And it was also the year that you stepped into all of this work. Um, have you thought about that parallel life that you've had of doing the podcast launching it, learning to tell the stories that you needed to tell on that podcast, excavating all of those, and stepping into that courage, making a big pivot in your life simultaneously as it unfolded in the year of 2020, of all things. Like, crazy. Oh, gosh. So that's such a great question. 20 is my favorite number. So it's been kind of uh, crappy that, you know, this has been not for me, but just like, it's like a, just an inspirational number for me in 2020 has been so devastating. Um, and like everybody, you know, I started the year with my, my word was reach and I'm going to go actually going back to that. I've been in this process of going back to that. And I went through all my calendar notes and I realized like, I nailed it on reach, like totally nailed it. And the reason I nailed it was because I actually pivoted in this uncertain time. And because I take a lot of risks, it made sense. So like literally um, when the pandemic happened, I, I was so March 17th, March 18th, March 19th, I, my, the first things, the first stuff in my head were, oh crap, like, I don't know. I had just, I had had to relaunch my business when my mom died. I had relaunched it. It was like the third iteration of my business. I had pretty low expectations of what was going to happen. And I actually was pretty 
exhausted in March. Um, and the thought of being courageous was tough, uh, but we can do hard things. And I, um, what happened for me was I just started showing up in a place of service. Like I did a ton of webinars for people in my world that were free. Um, I just kept moving forward and I kept, I allowed, instead of looking backwards, I think what I've been able to do with my podcast is to move forward, think in a forward direction about the lessons learned. I mean, that's how, that's how I approach my consulting. Also, that's how I approach all of my work. Like I love the concept of what can we take from this? What can we take from this experience? So um, I think that would be, those things were all connected. I, I did not, I was afraid. I was definitely afraid in March, but I knew in the back of my mind that success also meant for me leaning into being courageous and being open. Beautiful. I love that. One of the things that I love that you said in all of that is that, you know, it, especially in March when all the world went crazy, one of the things that you did, you know, was just you, you keep moving forward. And, and one of the things that you're really known for that I know about you and your story and the people that, you know, have been in your world as you've navigated your own career and moves and just life in general is that you are someone who takes risk. You are not risk adverse. You are willing to kind of step into your brave. One of the things that I talk about a lot um, and courage is a big part of that. Can you talk about, cause I know you, you also talk to so many women in the work that you do in the coaching that you do um, people that you have on your own podcast and interview them can you talk about the I don't know, the necessity of allowing risk into your life and what it's done for you as, as someone who has, has embraced that? Such a good question. And I think that there's a part of me that just has embraced the concept of being perfectly imperfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talked about that with the, with the show, like, I don't edit it. It's not perfect, but it's real, right? It's mm-hmm. it's authentic. It's that's what I wanted it to be. And I and I've done so many things so in both my personal life and my professional life where uh I've kind of known when the time was right. I've trusted my intuition. I would say that that's something that is just an incredibly powerful force in my life. So I was in a really bad relationship with somebody who was, you know, on a personal level, who was verbally abusive to me. It was, you know, it was, it was definitely a domestic violence situation. And I tolerated a lot of stuff for a long time. And then one day he picked up a razor, an electric razor, and he threw it at me as hard as he could. And on that day, that was the end of that. Like 
I was done. Like uh, that marriage was over. There was no turning back. Like it wasn't as if it had turned on a dime, but it was a lot of things they say about redheads, right? It takes us a long time to get angry, but when we do be careful, right? And I don't think it's anger for me, but it's just like I processed that. And I was just like, that's the line. That's my line in the sand. I'm done. And I was out. Um, I think that was the biggest example in my personal life. Um, And in my professional life, I've done that a number of times. So, you know, I started out in higher education, working with students. And then, interestingly enough, like the attacks of September 11th were a call to me where I'd grown up close to New York City. I knew a lot of people that were in the city. And I was working like a mad woman. I was a single mom at that time. And I was like, I don't want to be working 24-7. So literally, probably two weeks after 9-11, it, and it coincided with that really bad marriage, I literally was like, I'm out of here. I didn't just find an apartment someplace and keep that job up. I picked everything up. I said, I could do consulting. I moved back home with my mom and my daughter and just started doing that. That was the first iteration of my consulting business, which was called Insight Consulting. That's a whole other crazy story of what happened with that. But it's just like, okay, I did it. I pivoted. Um, And then I was working in higher education and somebody came to me, somebody I partnered with, and he said, look, I have an opportunity. Um, I recognize this opportunity. Uh, We have been offered a chance to work with this company in Cincinnati and really develop the leadership suite at this diversity, equity, and inclusion company. I didn't know anything about it. I trusted him a lot. We had worked together um, at two colleges. We had been pretty good partners together. And he offered me this opportunity. And like we flew out to Cincinnati and it was work that I hadn't done before. But I was like, oh, you know what? this is different. And I really want to keep building like my experiences. So now I had nonprofit experience. This was consulting experience. We were working in corporations. We were working for clients like Pepsi. So I was really upping my game with knowing that, but that was a huge risk. That was like crazy risk because I was a huge imposter syndrome. You know, I remember sitting there the first time in Cincinnati thinking like, what did, what did they hire me for? Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, and then that led to other things. I ended up back in higher education. Um, and then I, on a whim, somebody called me, I started to, I had done a lot of fundraising. Somebody called me to introduce me to a job at Habitat, which was in the nonprofit world. And it was a fundraising job. And I took that job again, like saying like something inside of me is saying, this is a good time for a pivot. Took that job. The executive director ended up being let go. I raised my hand. Like intuitively, I was like, I could do this. Although again, huge imposter syndrome, right? So we all suffer from that, but we get through it anyway. We decide like the there's something on the other side. We might feel tremendously awkward when we're in the process of pivoting and pirouetting and whatever we're doing. And oh my gosh, I remember like it being a deer in headlights in that situation. Like, what did I do? I mean, what am I doing? I'm like a short Jewish girl from New Jersey running a construction company that has a Christian, you know, a Christian faith. 
I was like, what am I doing? Like, who is this? Who am I? <laughs> like, I'm so out of place. I'm yeah. so out of place. And then the last thing I did, like the other huge pivot was I had turned this organization around in six and a half years. Like, I'm so proud of that. And we were totally on an upswing. And I decided, you know what? Like, I don't really like continuous improvement. I really like innovation. We had launched a restore. We had done different things. I was like, okay, I'm done. Like, I got what I needed from this. They got what they needed from me. And the world is bigger and I can serve more people. At the end of the day, that pivot, that last pivot um, in creating Think Good was around, I can either be a really strong leader with this organization, or I can serve many leaders uh, by building my own business, which is ultimately what I've done. So again, I've trusted my intuition. I've been curious. I've realized that like all these pieces ultimately do come together. And I think one of the biggest things is, and I've heard this continuously in the podcast, is that all of us suffer from imposter syndrome. Like it's not just for 20-year-olds. It's for 56-year-olds. It's for 60-year-olds. Like we all experiencing it in new situations, but it's our own self-talk. That's our own self-talk. And so to do this work, you have to stop listening just to yourself. You have to listen to the universe. Yeah. And to others who are, are around you saying, hey, I believe in you. Like, you know, in each one of those opportunities, for the most part, there were some other people saying to you, hey, Deb, like, come over here and do this thing with us. Like, I think you would be great here. Or there's this opportunity. You know, it wasn't just you in a silo dreaming up this, you know, insanity. There were other people along for the ride also encouraging you. And I think that that's a really, really good point. And I love what you said in all of that. In all of those examples, there was this there was a presence of this imposter syndrome, yet you moved forward anyway. A lot of people get stuck in that imposter syndrome and they just refuse to say yes. Like they just say, oh, I can't do that. And so the answer is no, because that's the imposter syndrome speaking for them instead of the visionary allowing the dreamer to step forward, the risk taker, the one who says yes, when, you know, you're not really sure what is going to, you're saying yes to. I, I relate to that so much because I know when I started Light Beamers, that was a big yes for me when I didn't really know what I was saying yes to. And I had to figure it out. I had to build it um, on the way. Something that I wrote about very early on, because in the beginning of Light Beamers, I was writing a ton and I really, you know, kind of put light beamers out there through a blog. And one of the blogs that I wrote early on in, in those days was about standing at the cliff and jumping off the cliff and learning to build your wings on the way down. And that's really what it's like. You really do sometimes need to just jump off the cliff because you will never figure it out standing there. You just won't. You're never going to figure out how to build your wings when you don't need them. But it's the jumping off the cliff and on your way down to the ground, you figure it out because it's necessity. It's like you have no choice but to figure it out. And I think that's the risk. That's where risk pays off. And sometimes, you know, I think people get caught up in this idea around failure too, like, 
what if I hit the ground? What if I fail? And I, and the, what I always say is, well, did you learn something? Because in learning how that you re you redirect and then you, you build, you know, something better on the other side of that. So failure is a big, important piece of it. And I don't even believe that it's failure. It's a name that we give it, but it really is part of the success that's coming. And I know you talk about success so much on the podcast. It's one of your other pillars, but that's part of success building. It's how you get there is, is building the wings on the way down. And maybe sometimes your wings are faulty and then you learn how to build better wings next time. And then you're able to then take that experience into the next thing. And as you build each one of those, that's where success grows. And do you, when you look back on, like, especially now, as you've launched the Think Good Company, you've launched your coaching career after graduating IPEC this past, the, a year and a half ago, um, and, and then also launching this podcast, how do you now identify and describe success for you? It's so interesting, right? And again, one of the things in part of that imposter syndrome is, yeah, you have people along the way that are supporting you, but you also can have people along the way who are judging you. And <laughs> right. So, I mean, those are like the angel on either side of your shoulder. Like, yeah, you can do this. No, why would you do that? And I remember like my mom was always the one when I left Habitat, people were like, what are you doing? You have a dream job. What are you doing? Um, and my parents definitely were thinking I was crazy, you know, and they had seen me make these other pivots. They thought I was crazy. But I think for me, What's so important is success to, in success and where I spend a lot of time working with my clients is around this concept of alignment, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, we know, like we know inside, right, that we're in alignment or that we're not in alignment, right? Mm -hmm. And so success to me is all about living a life of being aligned with your vision and your values. And once mm -hmm. you get that down, and that's a lot of the work that I do with my clients is around, you know, what is your, what's your brand? Like, who are you? And where have you experienced that feeling of being in alignment with something? And when you are in alignment with something, it's just, it's so effortless. Like it, it's, yeah. it's right? It's so easy. And just so you know, my word for the year is um, it's flow. I think it's going to be oh, flow. I love it. And it's different than reach because reach was like hard, right? I mean, it was a lot harder and I've spent the last year really working on my reach, but flow is really so much of what I want my life to look like. I want to be able to say no to things that might might have a big dollar sign attached, but don't bring me joy. Oh, yes. Right. It's so like so important. I said no to something like that this week. And I was just like, nah, I don't feel like doing that. Um, and to me, that's success where I know yeah. that if I, that by saying no, I'm saying yes to me. Oh, oh my God. It's so good. I love that word flow. You know, I have uh, a lot of flow in my life and I can totally resonate with that. Um, I love the concept around saying no allows you to actually say yes to you. So good, Deb. That's so, so, so true. 
I feel like women, especially, um, and you know, I'm always talking about the women on the show because I just see patterns. I mean, I think that's been my my work in the world around storytelling and listening to people's stories and excavating people's stories is that I notice patterns. They come up over and over again. And that is one of them is that women get in this pattern and habit of being a yes person. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll go. And they're never really asking themselves, is that really a yes for me? Is it a yes for me or am I just saying yes because it'll make someone else happy? And man, that is just not that is not the definition of alignment. That is not the definition of creating joy and flow and success in your life. Um, So if we can if we can short circuit that and help anyone listening and you find yourself in that yes pattern, listen to what we're saying here and listen to what Deb is saying, because sometimes it's saying the no will be the biggest yes you can give yourself. And, you know, in your case, saying no, like you you built Habitat, you turned that organization around, you, you achieved the pinnacle of that success. And so most people think, well, just keep going. Like, why would you leave? Because it became a no for you. It, it was no longer part of the yes anymore. And for you to say yes to yourself and leave, and go do something else completely different and make a big pivot is exactly what you needed to do. And obviously it turned out okay, because here you are, right? It always does if you follow that flow. I love the word flow for you uh, for 2021. That's beautiful. You know, I've had some pivots in my career, but early, early on when I was in my, I don't know, late 20s, I'm going to say I was, um, was newly married. And I think I got married at 20. I don't know how old I was when I got married. That's terrible. But I don't know. I was like 28, 29, 30, somewhere around in there. And I was working, you know, as a a television reporter and anchor in my early days of my career, which for a lot of people, that was a symbol of success, right? Like, oh, April's got that job. You know, I get to go and interview, you know, governors and presidents and athletes and you know, and also a lot of other people that are a little bit more salacious, but um, (laughs) people saw that, people saw that as a really successful uh, established thing for me. And when I made the decision, because I was not in alignment in that business, and I didn't have that wording back then when I was Mm -hmm. 28, 29 years old, I don't think I knew what alignment was, and I certainly wasn't spouting it. Um, But all I knew internally was that if I kept going down this path and stayed in this industry, I was going to die a slow death. And I knew that instinctively. And I was like, I don't want that. That's a no for me. And so I left. And I can remember going to my superiors and, you know, the news director and the general manager and turning in the resignation. And they're like, most people, when they turn in their resignation at a job like that, it's because they've gotten a better job at a bigger market and they're going on to new things, right? And so their question was like, oh, well, where did you get a new job? And I'm like, I don't have one. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Yeah, me too. I have yeah. no idea. I have no idea where my next uh, paycheck is coming from. So that was me jumping off the cliff and building my wings on the way down. Uh, but it was also me saying a big fat yes to me 
because all I knew was that I couldn't breathe anymore. Um, my anxiety level was through the roof and I wasn't happy. And I also didn't feel like I was telling the type of stories. And I've talked about this on the show. I wasn't telling the stories that I wanted to tell. And so as a result, here I am, you know, all these years later, I figured it out. I've built my wings and I, I have success because I am living in alignment. And um, as you said, flow just happens like it does become effortless. It really, really does become effortless how you move through life when you step into that and live according to your vision and values. And so such good advice and great illustration of that from your own story. So as you have spent the last year or so really diving into being a courageous storyteller, you have you've shared some stuff on your podcast as a result of um, of us digging into your story and doing our work together and pulling out um, all of the amazing stories that you do have. There's been a lot of personal stories that you've shared around, obviously around the death of your mom, the death of losing your dad, um, the impact that that has had on you. You've also been experiencing and going through your own grief journey. Um, what has, as you have gone through that and as you have been through that grief journey. And I know you're still on it. Like it's not, it's still a part of the process, but how has storytelling and sharing your story so openly as you have done on the podcast, how has that served you personally on your healing journey? In so many ways, but you know, I think oftentimes when we're talking in a coaching environment, we're talking about like this visceral thing, like what is going on in your body, right? Like being aware of what's happening in your body. And you and I share um, a little friend called, we have issues with our necks and I've had um, two surgeries. I've struggled with that. Um, And I think this concept of clearing the clog right? Clearing the clog in my body, um, which I've worked with you and Alexandra on knowing, like listening to my body um, has been part of the healing part of, for me. And so that sometimes happens, like sometimes doing this work, we, we also not only are telling the story, but as a coach, I also hear a lot of stories that are filled with pain. And right before the holidays, I had one day of coaching where I had three coaching clients and all had been impacted by COVID in some way. One was just getting over it. One had to make a serious decision about their business. Um, One was, you know, they, they had lost somebody. And I remember this feeling of like I was exhausted. I just couldn't take anymore. Like your body's like a receptacle, right? You put all this junk in it and then somehow you have to let it out because like all the junk gets clogged in there. And so I got sick, right? I've been sick for two weeks. And I really think that one of the lessons I learned is that hearing people's stories and sharing your stories, it requires, it requires your being present. It requires a lot of things. And you also have to really listen to your head 
and your heart and your body. And so I would say that has helped me through this grief process. Like, you know, I, I don't, I'm not ashamed when I well up about something. I don't turn it off. I let it come out. Like I have to let it come out. Um, I lean into it. I look for the lesson in it. I try to find the power in it instead of the weakness in those things. And so I would say that it's, it's kind of complex, but I would say that would be my answer. I love that. And, you know, I know specifically in the work that you do and in the training that you have, the coaching training that you have through IPEC, you know, you do you do a lot around energy um, and understanding several seven levels of energy and all of that. And well, that's a big part of your coaching is is using this energy leadership index model. And we won't go into that, but it because it, but it's pretty fascinating stuff. And um, I encourage anyone who's curious about that to reach out to Deb because it, it's a huge part of your coaching. And it is actually very um very important to understand how we show up in the world in terms of the seven levels of energy. And of course, I have language around that now because, of course, my husband is also a, a coach in this world and in this energy leadership and is certified in that same program. And that's one of the things that I have learned as well about storytelling. And again, I didn't have language around this when I was starting out in my career and looking back around that time in my life working at a TV station and going out and chasing fire trucks and police cars and standing on the courthouse steps and shoving a microphone into someone who's just been accused of murder um, and listening to those stories was I understand now that I was absorbing that energy. I didn't have that language 25 years ago. I didn't have any sort of awareness about how to deal with that. And it was a big part of why I felt compelled to leave because I did not know how to manage that. Fast forward, I still talk to people every day about their stories and I don't just focus on the good luck stories and the, the ones that make you feel good because everyone does have stories inside of them that hold pain and trauma and sadness and grief and disappointment and failure and all of those things, right? And so like you, you know, as a coach, you listen to those stories and you also hold those stories. And I know that's been a big part of the podcast for you, the Think Courageously podcast that you host is sharing some of your own stories to get that out, releasing that energy, getting out of victim mode and rising above and getting up into those higher levels of energy so that again, those stories can be used for good. Those stories can then be released and have let them have a powerful impact instead of having that power over you. And learning how energy affects us is so important. And I and um, anyway, that's not I don't know if that's really a question I have for you. It's just more of like how I wanted to respond to your answer from that is because I can relate so much to, you know, those feelings of how we hold on to that energy from other people sometimes. And if we don't process it properly, that's exactly what happens. We get sick. We um, feel like we've been run over by a Mack truck in our bodies and paying attention to that is a big key. And having that awareness is so important. So kudos to you for doing this work. And so as you, as we wrap this up a little bit, and as we kind of teed it up there with you with that seven, seven levels of energy and the energy work that you do, how would you say 
your coaching and having the tools that you have in your toolbox, how have they helped you amplify being courageous, making smart pivots, and being successful? Those three pillars that you have in your own business and podcast around courage, pivots, and success. How has your work as a coach fed those three pillars? Oh, wow. Such a good question. Um, So people can go back and look at, uh, I did in your flashlight series, Mm -hmm. um, a presentation about the energy level. So I think- We'll link that up. We will link yeah. that up. I'll put that in the show notes. So, because you're right, uh, Deb did a fantastic presentation on that very recently in the Light Beamers community for our flashlight series. And so, we'll just link that up. Yeah. So, you guys have access to it. But, you know, in, in the choice for myself in working through those energy levels, um, you know, when you're dealing in a place of grief, you can get what we call pretty catabolic, right? It's, mm-hmm. It can be so much easier to, um, you know, put the blanket over your head and just say, I've like really had a crappy two years. Like it just has been terrible and woes me. And, you know, I think I struggled with that a little bit because I'm such, I'm wired to be an optimist. And so I struggled with like, how do I lean into my grief? I, I kind of mm-hmm. didn't. I I never, I like literally never thought about my mother dying. I don't know why, but I never thought about it. And since it was so shocking and surprising what happened that I just, I didn't know, I didn't have like any script. Nobody prepares you for something that can be super traumatic. And I, like, I wanted to have the time to grieve and I was intentional about that. But on the other hand, it didn't, again, going back to alignment, like, it didn't feel good for me to be stuck down there in the basement of grief. And it didn't feel good for me to be angry. Like it was a situation, right? It, it mirrors a lot of like the grief model. So, you know, you withdraw, you, you know, at level two, I could have been really angry, like at myself for things or, you know, whatever for my mom, you know, uh, whatever those things might be. But then you, when you move up that scale, really where I feel at my best, where flow lives for me is like around level five and six energy where I feel my best people. This is kind of an interesting thing, right? So when you're a solopreneur and you love what you do, you work like you love Mm -hmm. work, right? And then people are like, you need to take care of yourself. You're working too hard. And the bottom line is like, I love what I do. I I'm not working too hard for me because this is what I do. Right. And this is where I find my energy and I might not do anything because I don't feel like it right now. And I get the choice to do that. But when I have, I'm in flow, I'm going to work at crazy hours and maybe straight through things. So I think for me, that feeling of alignment goes into the energy. Like when I, like I, I see it in myself, like when I'm talking to you, you know, when you're in that catabolic place, you cave in. And when you're in that place of like being courageous and being an opportunity and being synergistic and being collaborative, you're living, you're living your best life at level five and six and seven. And that's, that's really what this show is all about. I think the women who choose to come on this show have, have deliberately 
considered. Maybe they don't have the language for energy, but they have done the pivot and have moved their energy around. And it's really quite uh, magical to see what we're capable of when we're self-aware. Oh, yes. So good. So, so, so good. Well, I invite all of our beautiful listeners, I invite all of you to check out Deb's amazing podcast called Think Courageously. Of course, that'll be another link in the show notes so you can find it quickly. Um, also check her out at Think, the Think Good Company. Um, I will link up that because she does a lot of work in obviously leadership development, consulting, working with organizations, but also her her coaching model where she is working with women to, you know, help them step into their next level of courage and make those pivots and identify what success means to them and helping them live into it and, and bringing her energy work to the table is, is such a powerful piece that you offer. So I just have loved this conversation, number one. But more importantly, I have really loved working with you over the past a little over a year now, launching your podcast, watching you excavate your stories and, and actually share those stories with such courage and going on to building such a, a beautiful and successful business that has is having a huge impact on other people. You are, my friend, a light beamer. And I'm so proud of you. And I um I'm I'm so proud of the storyteller that you've become. It's so beautiful and it just makes me smile so big. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, and thank you again for being such a critical part of my journey. And, you know, I just encourage your listeners and people in the Light Beamer community to trust what's on the other side when you show up when you're visible and when you are able to, you know, ignite the energy in other people, remarkable things happen for you and the people in your life. Amen. Amen. Amen, sister. All right, everybody, be sure to share out this episode or give it a review or come over into the light beamers community and tell us um, your biggest takeaway, connect with Deb on social media connect with me. We love hearing from you. And I love hearing how this podcast is serving you. So as always, thanks for being here. Until next time. See ya. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to give it a review and share this broadcast out with your friends and family. Now did listening to this episode make you think more about your own story? Are you wondering which parts of your own story are relevant to share with others? This is the question I get asked more than any other. How do I share my story? Which parts of my story are worth sharing with other people? How can I make my story relatable so that others can benefit from it? I've taken my simple process that I've used for years as a journalist and broken it down into a three-part storytelling formula that will help you discover the key components of your own story and how to share it. It's a free resource I've created to help you become a light beamer by sharing your story. Simply go to www.lightbeamers.com and click on the big yellow button on the homepage to download your story formula. I'd love to hear your story too. So be sure to join my free community on Facebook, the Light Beamers community, and share your story with me. I can't wait to learn more about you and the story that's inside of you. 
In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can get notified when our next broadcast is live. You will want to stay tuned to the stories we are lining up for you next. I promise they are so good. As always, Light Beamers, I'm over here cheering for you. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.